listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, that's right. The Punch-Out! Breakthrough News, 1-5-2021, the 5th of January, five days in to the new year. New year, new cheer. Very happy to be with you on this Tuesday here on The Punch-Out! As always, going around the world with crucial information for you. We've got some information about the brutal ongoing occupation, I should say, of Kashmir by Indian Armed Forces. We've got some important new information as it concerns the Ahmed Arbery murder, really just confirming what you knew before, but always good to confirm your beliefs. I would say that at least, at least when you're right. Uh, But before we get to those two important stories, we want to start here with another big important story, and that's about the so-called Chinese origins of coronavirus. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot of people say it's racist. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China, that's why. And yes, that was President Trump discussing why he constantly uses the phrase China virus, among other very derogatory terms for COVID-19. One problem for Trump, though, the evidence that keeps coming out is casting some doubt about the allegedly Chinese origins of COVID-19. Just yesterday, in fact, a CDC study noted that there was a case of COVID-19 in a four-year-old in Italy who, it seems, contracted the virus in late November. The throat culture that revealed the positive test was from December 5th. Worth noting, this is Around the same time as things were happening in China, we'll get back to this, we'll just repeat it a bunch of times, the first case was symptoms, at least recorded, seems to be about December 1st, and obviously that means that someone got sick a few weeks earlier. So this young boy in Italy, December 5th, has the test, obviously got it a few weeks earlier, so it's almost simultaneously to the time where we allegedly, it was only in China, and it allegedly originally originated in China. Obviously you can't be uh, in two places in one time like that from the point of view of quote-unquote origins. Obviously it or originated somewhere else at a different time. Anyway, at least one French hospital has also stated here, they re-examined a lot of information from cases uh, going back some time, that as early as potentially... November 16th of 2019, that coronavirus was present there in France. I should also note that in Italy, there was a report that also came out. People may have seen it a few months ago that as early as December 18th, coronavirus could have been there because it was found in wastewater. So in Italy, we've got a December 5th, we got a December 18th, we got a December, uh, November 16th in France, it seems. Uh, and again, the very first case in China with symptoms that we know of was December 1, which means, of course, that it was a little bit before the person got sick. There been some other analyses that say that it's possible even as early as mid-October it was there in China, but that's a projection. It's not based on sort of actual evidence. But what we basically know is it seems, including the United States, where obviously a number of studies have shown uh, at this time, one, the Wall Street Journal reported on not that long ago, that mid-December, a couple weeks actually prior to China officially even knowing the virus existed, right? This is sort of in mid-December. It was also in the United States. So we've got Italy, we've got France, we've got the United States, we've got China at 
at least, we don't even know everything from every country around the world, that it seems like more or less around the same time in sort of mid-ish to late November, early December, had COVID-19, had coronavirus present. Now, the bottom line about all that is it's not really clear that the virus itself is from China. I mean, that was probably obvious from what I said. It really isn't exactly clear where it's from. In fact, sorry, I coughed there. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Um, it's not exactly clear where it's from. In fact, it's not even actually clear how exactly the virus jumped from animals to humans. You probably heard something about bats. That's actually not confirmed. So just about everything about the origin of the coronavirus, that's still studying it. Scientists are still looking at it. WHO in China right now, uh, looking into various different things. So it's ongoing and we will certainly know more. There are many different types of coronavirus. Some are deadly like COVID, like SARS, like MERS. Some are linked to the common cold. So the genetic material, so to speak, certainly did not have to uh, emanate anywhere in particular, certainly not necessarily in China, which means we should seriously consider then, the, uh, or really seriously question, I would say, we should consider it and question it, the consensus in Western media that the virus originated in China. This is actually most recently laid out in an article in The New Yorker about whether it came from a lab or not. But nevertheless, we don't actually know that it came from China. We just know that that's where it was identified. We also know, by the way, that it was the Chinese government releasing the genetic information about the virus very early on that allowed Moderna and others to quickly develop a vaccine. And by the way, that information was provided open source and for free. That being said, China is, as the U.S. national security strategy lays out, allegedly the principal contender with the United States for world power. So it's constantly demonized and to the degree really that people will believe just about anything said about what goes on there, no matter how outlandish, which is how you get a huge range of Western media reports saying, well, the virus definitely came from China when there is not evidence that it definitely came from anywhere. It's the propaganda atmosphere around China designed to increase the possibility uh, or not even increase the possibility, but to to uh, lessen the fear of the population of going to war with China by branding them as an enemy and making war seem like it may have to happen and that they are evil and we are good. The reality is the global challenges of our time, from climate change to public health to many different other things, require the U.S. and China to collaborate. But that can't happen in an atmosphere of baseless denigration. So by all means, let's investigate where COVID came from. Let's just skip the evidence-free accusations. Those were sounds of protest in Kashmir, which is under a brutal occupation by hundreds of thousands of Indian troops. It has been for decades, and this occupation deepened just over a year ago, a little bit more than that, just over a year ago, when the government eliminated that region's autonomous status, suppressed the Kashmiri political parties. I'm talking about pro-India political parties. They arrested the leaders, put them in jail, put them under house, house arrest. Anyway, in this vicious crackdown that came again about a year ago, uh, it seen the phone service shut down. The internet service was shut down. I think internet is back, but it's extraordinarily slow. The phone, it's intermittent. It's a brutal occupation. It deepened in the last year. India's occupation troops are back at it to start this year murdering three young men in the capital. Now, the government claimed yesterday 
They were just some sort of terrorist. And as they often do, they buried their bodies hundreds of miles away to prevent funerals. This is something that often happens in Kashmir. They kill you and then they bury you hundreds of miles away so no one can mourn you. The families are intensely disputing the issue that this was some sort of gunfight uh, between terrorists and the army. They were stating this is one of many extrajudicial killings carried out by the army and the police where they kill people for no reason at all. Then they, you know, dress it up and make it look like they are terrorists in order to justify it. The brother of one of the victims told Al Jazeera that he had just had lunch with his brother. The brother had just left the house to take care of a few things. And again, in an interview with Al Jazeera, he said, quote, I want to ask the army, how did my brother become a militant within hours? Where did he get weapons and join militancy? Where did he get himself trained in hours? End quote. The family and activists are demanding justice and they want to raise their voice against these sorts of staged killings where, as I pointed out, random murders are branded as gunfights with terrorists and the like because they say more of this is going to be happening. Uh, This is the family saying that and they're right to say it because this comes just a week after a similar situation where three people were killed in the same way. It was so obvious it was the police that accused the army of doing this. People call for investigations all the time, but if you want to investigate the occupation military in Kashmir, you have to get approval from the central government of India. Between 2001 and 2016, somebody looked at this, there were 50 recommendations that they investigate these army atrocities. They only approved two of those investigations. The good news here is that the people of Kashmir remain impressively resistant. Uh, There's a long backstory here, but the region was one of the principalities of the colonial era India, British colonialism. The status of it was in flux during the partition. Ultimately, it became a part of India, but with a clear promise of autonomy and some form of self-determination that has not come to pass. And since 1989, there's been a consistent struggle to demand real self-rule, real self-determination. And the strength of that movement can be very clearly seen. strength of the Kashmiri people can be very clearly seen, clear as day. When you look at the election that happened last December, now they tried to wipe out all the traditional political parties, arrest their leaders, they reformed in a new alliance, and they won the majority of seats in this regional election that took place last December. A sign that while repression is certainly very heavy in Kashmir, so is the spirit of resistance. And they start wrestling, and Travis shoots him around the damn chest. He had to, the guy was trying to take the shotgun away from him. And that sound you just heard was Gregory McMichael, one of the murderers of Ahmed Arbery, killed in Georgia last year in cold blood by McMichael and his son, Travis. And you heard there in his audio, he's just saying it right there, that his son, Travis, shot Ahmed Arbery. But it wasn't just Greg and Travis. It was also their neighbor, William Bryan Jr., And uh, that statement was from the body cam footage from officers on the scene of the murder who were talking to uh, Gregory McMichael there. They also talked to William Bryan. We'll get to that. And despite this clear admission that Arbery was shot down on the street for no reason other than taking exception to being followed and questioned by armed vigilantes while jogging. Despite that, McMichael's attorney has filed with the court this week an attempt to prevent the prosecution from referring to Arbery as a victim. What else he could be, I don't even know. But they claim it will prejudice a jury. And I mean, okay, fine. Yes, it will be a good reminder to the jury that this was not just some random clash, but that Arbery was indeed the victim of a murder. He was not somehow complicit. There was not some sort of equivalency here. They killed him for no reason. For those who don't fully remember, here's the basic story. Arbery was jogging. During his jog, he went onto an empty construction site to look at a house under construction real quick. He left. 
He continued his run. These three saw him. They decided he must be doing something nefarious, I guess because he was black. And they started trying to stop him. When they couldn't stop him, they started following him. But it's very notable about this issue of stopping him because William Bryan Jr., the neighbor, has claimed, oh, I'm not involved. It was these two other guys. He's the guy who took the video, by the way, of Arbery being shot. He said, oh, I wasn't involved. No, 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 no. Well, (laughs) he was intimately involved. More body camera footage has come out of William Bryan Jr. And despite saying he's not involved at all and going on the news and saying they got to let him go, blah, blah, blah. Here's what he actually told the cops about his role in the Ahmed Arbery, uh, the Ahmad Arbery murder. Take a listen. I pulled out of my driveway. I was going to try to block him. But he was going all around it. And I made a few moves at him, you know, um, and he, he didn't stop. Yep, there you go. He made some moves on him, backed his car into him. He actually goes on to explain, well, if he had just stopped and explained, Arbery that is, if he had just stopped and explained what happened, it all would have been fine. What? Why does he have to explain anything to them? They don't own that house. They aren't the builders. They aren't the cops. They aren't any sort of authority figure whatsoever. Certainly not one with any authority to be interrogating people about anything. And certainly not in an armed vigilante type fashion. And then to follow somebody if they they refuse to answer your totally unfounded questions and then get out and try to kill them. It's absurd. It's totally outrageous. And they don't even want him to be called a victim in court. And it seems unlikely that they're going to succeed on that issue, I have to be to say. I'm not a lawyer, but I just, it's, I, I do not think they'll succeed with that motion. But the, the reality is the very fact that there's both video and audio evidence that they murdered him without any authority or any offense committed against him and are still somehow claiming they are justified and think that a jury might actually believe that gives you a sense of how powerfully they feel their racist narrative will be in that community. And they seem to think that it will potentially resonate with many of their neighbors in the jury pool. I have to say, let's truly hope that is not the case. But when it comes to racism in the United States, you can never be surprised that even when there's a murder in cold blood, the killers feel like there's a pretty good chance that they might get off. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.